Good morning, Church of Odessa. How are you today? Thank you for being here. Listen, I am, uh, I am extremely pumped to be here today. I mean, I'm, I'm really, honestly, really excited to be here today. You might think, you know, Pastor Ray, because this is, this is the highlight of my week. You might say, Pastor Ray, you need a life. Well, listen, this is my life, because uh, I have been looking forward. I always look forward to coming in when Pastor Chris gives me a chance. Man, I just, I just savor it and enjoy it before I get here, and I'm going I'm to enjoy this sermon. I don't know about you, but I'm going to enjoy being here with you. So I pray that it does, uh, does the same to me. I'm so excited today because this is uh, just a blessing to be here. Let me, let me tell you how privileged and honored I'm being here today because I've got to make an acknowledgement, and you've got to help me acknowledge this here today. Not only am I excited to be here, bring you the Word of God, listen, but I today... I want to acknowledge somebody very special in my life because today I celebrate 40 years of marriage with that beautiful wife sitting right there. Right. Right. Well, now you know that I'm excited to be here because I have all the excuse in the world not to be here. But listen, we celebrated and we're going to continue to celebrate. So he said, what are you doing here? Don't worry. We're having fun and we are going to have fun the rest of the day. So thank you. Thank you for, for being here today. What a blessing. Hey, Chad, what, what time? What time is it? 9.47, wow. You know, what time is it? That's a, that's a question that we constantly ask ourselves. We, we might not say that out loud, but we are thinking it all day long. We're asking ourselves in our mind, we're thinking, why is it, is it time to wake up? And we get up and then you start thinking, is it time for lunch? You're always thinking about this. Some of you think about that more than others. So is it, is it time to, then you start thinking, you go to work, is it, is it time to go home? That's a, that's a good time. Is it time to punch out and go home? And then when you're home, you're excited with your family. Is it time for dinner? For a lot of you, you're excited. Is it, is, is it time for the game? I want to make sure I don't miss the game. Then the evening comes around and mom and dad start thinking, is it time to put the kids to sleep? Or you might think, well, maybe it's time for me to go to sleep. So we're all constantly thinking about time regularly and all the time. And so, so, so when you think about time, we're going to talk about time. That's the main theme of today's lesson. But we're going to look at time from the perspective of King Solomon out of the book of Ecclesiastes. I mean, a different way of, he, of him looking at time. And, and if you've ever read the book of Ecclesiastes, and you're probably even thinking a book of Ecclesiastes, you're probably thinking, yeah, oh, man, that's a kind of depressing book. I mean, kind of even the, the first couple of chapters when I read it, I stopped because it was just, it was just too depressing. And, and, you, and I can't blame you for that because if you read uh, chapter, 12, chapter 2, verses 16 to 17, look what it says. For of the wises of the fool, there's no enduring remembrance, seeing that in the days to come all will have been long forgotten. How the wise dies, just like the fool, very encouraging. So I hated life, because what is done in the sun was grievous to me, for all is a vanity and a striving after the wind. Vanity of vanity is a word that he repeats time after time in these verses. And you might not go any further than that when you're reading the book Ecclesiastes. But I'm going to tell you something. This is a very good book. And never judge a good book by its cover or not even by its first two chapters of the book, because you have to get, leave the author, paint you the picture of what he wants to tell you in this book. And then in the book Ecclesiastes, you've got to see the whole picture. You just can't see a couple of chapters, because when you do that, this book is so full of nuggets of wisdom that it's going to bless you indeed. It's a, it's, a, it's a book that has become 
one of my favorite books of the Bible as I've read through it. So, so in verses 1 through 14 in chapter 3, Solomon talks to us about time. And if you would think about keeping the same initial depressing chapters in there as he has been, he probably would think that he would tell you, well, about time. The time is short and then you die. You know, that's kind of the theme. Or once time passes, you're just not going to get it back. Or as much as you can, keep doing as much as you can for as long as you can because you're going to run out of time. But he doesn't do this. He doesn't go in the depressing side of time. What he's going to tell us that. God, somehow God has ordered all time. He has ordered all time and how it will bless you when you understand the order of this time. That's what he's going to talk to you about. And I was going to read you today's verses, and, but I thought maybe I'd just ask uh, some friends of mine just maybe to sing you these verses. What do you, let me see what you think. I'm hoping you don't tell Pastor Chris I'm playing these videos in church. I mean, that's just between you and me. It doesn't go any further than this door, or else I'll cut short in the future. So, so here, here's what today is. Uh, I, I want to ask you a question. What time is it for you? Now, now think through this here. I'm not, I'm not asking you the question I asked Chad, what time is it? I'm asking you, what time is it for you? And, and the key word here is time. The definition of the word time in this book is kairos. And it means season. So what I'm asking you today is, do you know the season that you are living today? Do you know what season you're living in today? It's very important that you know this. Because when you know this, when you know the time that you live in, you will know how to live the life that you've been given. When you know the time that you live in, you will know how to live the life that you have been given. So the wisest man that has ever lived the world is going to give us some powerful truths. He's going to give us two powerful truths today. That's all I have for you. And he's going to talk to us about the seasons of life. And the first truth that he tells us that you and I, we need to learn that it is important that you and I recognize the seasons that you're living in. You need to recognize the season that you're living in. He starts by telling us, verse number one, for everything there's a season and a time for every matter under heaven. When we read these verses, we notice right away the word time. Everybody sees remembers time in these verses. It appears more than 30 times. But listen, I want to make sure you don't overlook the words at the end of verse number one, under heaven, because these are some key words in there. Because these words imply that everything that happens in this time-bound universe is under the authority of God who rules from heaven. That's what you need to know. Nothing happens outside of the will of God, and, that, and then you, when you're reminded by that, this is a good thing. It's gonna, you're going to see that it is a good thing that nothing happens outside the rule and will of God. Because Solomon comes to tell us, listen, if you live your life under this premise, this is the premise you have to live your life. If you live your life knowing that you exist because God wanted you to exist, you are who you are, what you are, and how you are because he made you, like what John 1.3 says. John 1.3 says all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. When you live under that premise, when you live under the premise that he formed you in your mother's womb, 
That's Psalm 139, 13 that says, For you formed my inward parts, you knitted me together in my mother's room. And when you know that he chose the length and the place that you would live, like what Acts 17, 26 tells you, and he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, what he says, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place. So when you start with the premise of what you just read in this verses, this is going to help you live the seasons of your life the way God wants you to live them. Verses 1 through 8 are considered probably one of the finest pieces of literature in all of Bible. And what Solomon does, he, he takes and he cuts off a slice of life itself, and he reviews it, he reflects on it, and in doing this, he's going to help us understand the seasons that we are living in and the seasons that we will live in someday during our lifetime. So he breaks down these seasons in three categories, because these seasons impacts in three ways. So he gives us three ways into which these seasons impact our lives. And the first thing, he says, it impacts our physical lives. The seasons will impact our physical lives. It says a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, and a time to pluck of what is planted. Solomon gives us right away what I consider the bookends of life. That's what I look at this verse. It is the bookends of life. These are the boundaries which when all the other seasons fall in, these bookends of life itself. We had nothing to do where and when we were born, and we will have nothing to do when and how we depart the earth. Nobody can change this except God, and it is God who designs time. It is God who divides time, and it is God who delegates time in your life. And this is a good thing, because it, this should comfort you. This should alleviate a lot of the fears that you have that other people might determine your time on earth. No, it is God who determines your departure. That is why the psalmist says in Psalm 139, 16, he says, Your eyes saw my unformed substance, and in your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when yet there was none of them. He determines your days. And that is some incredible comfort, because nothing can change that, no matter how dangerous this world gets. Only he can determine that. I found a website uh, called thedeathclock.com. Uh, I, I found it. I don't know how I got there. I guess doing some research on time. And this is a website where you go into and you input some personal information. You put your age, your height, your weight, where you live in, what you do. And then this clock, the website, will kick out the day that you will die. Pretty encouraging, huh? And I say, I'm looking at this. It's, it's ridiculous. I'm not going to input any information on that. I'm not going to, I'm not going to put my height. I'm not going to put, I'm not going to do that. But you know, the more I kept saying that, I started thinking, am I not doing that because I think this website has some validity to it? Am I thinking, is it possible, just possible, that this website is really going to determine the day I'm going to die? So I, 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 I was above that, and I put my information in there. <laughs> I, I did. I did. I put it in. Listen, I am glad to tell you that I will die January 2nd, 2045. I mean, that's a long life. That's pretty cool. Man, I, I'm excited. I'm glad for that. 
Not, 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 not. Listen, I'm not excited because of that day. I am so excited because my life is not determined by the death clock. It is determined by the God clock. And that gives me incredible comfort, incredible peace that I know that I'll be here as long as God needs me and wants me to be here. So that's, that's a blessing for you. I encourage you not to go to that website. So it's not worth it. Now listen, don't look it up right now. I'm checking out on you. You're watching, looking up Google, whatever. Uh, listen, the next, the next nugget of wisdom that Solomon gives, it says a time to plant, a time to pluck. And this is the language of the people of those days. These are, were farmers. And, and what he's saying to these people is, is that, 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 that when the conditions are right, that's when you plant, and then there's a time to pick the crops itself. He says you don't plant seeds in January when the, when the ground is frozen and solid, or, or you're not, you're not going to have a harvest. You've got to do it when it's right. And, and Solomon is telling us, listen, there is no, it's no different in life. Uh, but you might say, listen, I don't need anybody to tell me when I need to do things. I do things when I feel like I do things, and, and that's okay. But Solomon tells you in here, listen, uh, you, you can do that, but there's some things in life that you need to be done at the right time or they're not going to work. There's seasons in your life that are specific for you to do some things, and you need to know what season or what are those things. God has an order of things happening and when you depart from that order, you depart at your own peril. You know, a good meal calls for certain ingredients to be added at certain times or it's not going to taste right. Uh, you can't climb on a plane and start flying before you haven't spent time in flight school. It's going to be a disaster at the end. So he says there, there are things you do at certain times that God has determined. And then he comes and he talks to you about a season of destruction and creation. Look what he says. He says there's a time to kill and a time to heal. Did you know the process of dying goes right along with the process of living? Did you know that every seven years all the cells in your body die and new cells are born? That means that you today are not what you were seven years ago, but you're still alive. How does... The cells in your brain die, new cells are born, and the ones that are born have the same memory that the cells that died had. This is, this is all God. This is how God does the living and the dying of our own body itself. And, and, and he comes in here and Solomon tells her, listen, there's a time to break down and a time to build up. That's what he says. There, there's a season in our lives, we have to know this, that is a season to build up. This is the season in our life when, when you start building up those muscles. You know, you start working out and you build up for, for sports or for track or for you, for you, you look good for your girlfriend or your wife. So you're building up these muscles and self. This is a time when you increase your abilities. Your abilities to do a craft, to do a task, you just get better and better at certain abilities. There's a time when you, when you increase your coordination. Your coordination gets better, whether it's eye and hand coordination, eye and ball in sports, or, or you're able to multitask a lot of things in here. So there's a time where you're growing, you're getting better. But then you hit the 60s and everything starts to fall apart. This is called a time to break down. This is what it's called. Here's what happens. What happens is the fonts, they seem to be getting smaller and smaller every day. The steps, the steps start to get higher and higher. You don't know what it is. Daniel, the, the, the music starts to get louder and louder and louder. And you start thinking, wow, what, what is going on? And then people, 
they just seem to be speaking lower and lower. <laughs> you just can't hear them. What's going on with people? That's what happens. It's a time to break down. That's the season that you got to know when you're living it because this is part of the seasons of life. You're going to get there sooner or later and you shouldn't fight it. What you should do, God has determined this and no matter what you think or what you want to do, you can't change it. You just need to accept the seasons in life and live it the best that you can live it. So the next area that these seasons impact is it impacts our emotional lives. These seasons impact our emotional lives. There's a season of happiness and sadness. He says a time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance. These verses are telling us that you have to expect sorrow and joy to be part of your life. Life does not exist one without the other. Someone said that all sunshine makes a desert. They just work with each other. They, they have to exist in life. And these two seasons are a regular occurrence in your life. Uh, there are times when you find yourself in the mountaintop of joy. Everything is wonderful. Everything is going your way. But you know, sometime in the future, you're going to find yourself in the valley of sadness. And you have to accept both of them. You have to live with the expectation of both of these seasons. You can't think everything is going to always be good, joyful, right? You've got to know they're coming, and you live with that expectation. You need to learn how to rejoice, and you need to learn how to grieve in its appropriate season. And he talks about here a season of laughing and dancing. Uh, they're common occurrences. You would think they're common occurrences in people's lives, but do you know that there's a lot of people that have a hard time enjoying life. They have a hard time enjoying life because, because they're, they're worried about something bad that happened or something bad that is going to happen, and they just don't enjoy life. And Someone said here, if you don't learn to laugh at trouble, you won't have anything to laugh when you grow old. So you, you have to think about those things itself. And when joyful times come, what do you do? You embrace them. You embrace them, and you embrace them very hard. Uh, you embrace them to the fullest. You let them recharge you. You let them build up some memories that you're going to download in the times of sorrow. That will get you through all these times. And, and, and in fact, do you know that God commands you to be happy? Of all the commands that God does in the Word of God, He has a forceful command telling you you need to be happy. Look at Philippians 4.4. He says, rejoice in the Lord. He says, first of all, he says, always. And then he says, again, I will say to you, rejoice. That's a strong full second command. He said, listen, I'm, I'm not asking you. I'm not suggesting to you. I'm telling you, you need to rejoice. You need to be joyful. So he's telling us that, and he wouldn't ask something that we couldn't live up to. So you, just keep that in mind when you think of the seasons in life and and then he jumps into a season of releasing and embracing. Uh, he says, to cast away stones. Uh, that's another agricultural term, is uh, the folks, when they were ready to work the fields, they would walk the fields, they would find the stones, and they would just throw them out. They would cast them out of their field, probably into their neighbor's field, so they can field and work their own field itself. But then there were times where they would gather those stones to build a fence, or to build a house with, those, with the psalms themselves. And this is a season that has to do with relationships. Relationships, yours, family, and friends. Uh, you know, there's a times when, when things are going good with your family, things are going good with your friends, that when you meet, you embrace. And there's other times when things are just not going so well, you might 
shake hands or might do a fist bump. Uh, but, 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 but listen, this happens in every relationship, even in the best of relationships. There are always times where there's no embracing in it. And, but here's the warning that, that Solomon's giving you here. Uh, don't hide your hurt or your hurt will hurt you. Don't pretend that things are wrong or good. Don't hide your hurt or your hurt will hurt you. Keep that in mind. It, what you do is don't ignore the season. You confront it. You discuss it. You confront it. You discuss it. You resolve it. And then if God allows it, you embrace one more time. But don't pretend that things are going well because that's a season. You need to deal with that season in your life. And that's what Solomon is telling you. Confront, discuss, resolve, and embrace it if God makes it possible. Finally, he goes into the area of our life that is impacted by the season, and this impacts our spiritual life. The season impact our spiritual life. This is a season of keeping and disposing. A time to seek, a time to lose, a time to keep, a time to cast away. This, this isn't the season in our life that we, that we gather things, all right? This is the season that we fill our garages and our attics with stuff. This is the things that, that, we, that we fill them with things, things that, that have memories that we want to preserve into the future. These are things that we want to keep because they just make us feel good. So we keep putting them in the garage, keep filling up the attic. These are things that we can't do without, even though we have five or six of them. And when we need them, we can't find them. But you still keep accumulating them, of course. You buy another set of uh, pliers. You have six. I just can't find the pliers, but I know I need them, so we buy some more. So you start accumulating them. So Solomon is saying, listen, there are times that you have to gather these things, and there are times that you get to weigh these things. Uh, so maybe for you, some of you here, there's a time for a garage sale. That garage sale that you've been thinking about, maybe this is the season for you to be doing that, to get rid of all that clutter you have in your garage, in your attic, that you make space for some much-needed space in the house for something else. Maybe, that, maybe that's the season that you're living in, so you need to know that. Uh, but maybe, for some of you, this is a time that you cast away memories. It's a time that you cast away memories that have been hurting you every time you think about them. If you're living with past hurts, maybe this is the time that you need to be casting out that resentment, that you need to cast away that grudge, that you need to cast away that unforgiveness that is cluttering your, your heart, that is keeping you from making space to put joy and happiness into that heart itself, that is keeping you from living life the way God wants you to live life. Maybe this is the season for you to let it go. Maybe this is the season for you to do that. So you have two seasons. And you have the season of mourning. Next, he says, you have a season of mourning and remembering. Time to tear, a time to sue. So a time to keep silence and a time to speak. Uh, this is one season that we all experience sooner or later. We're all going to lose a loved one. In the Old Testament, when somebody died, the people would tear their clothes. and They would spend the time in silence. And after a period of mourning, they would come back and sew back the clothes because they didn't have a lot of clothes. So they would sew it back, and then they would start speaking again because the mourning period had passed away. That's, that's what it's saying. So he says Solomon, he follows it with a time to keep silence and a time to speak. 
You know, for Christians, the easiest way for you to lose your testimony is by the words that you say. Have you ever had that time where you say a word and it's only two inches away and you wish you can grab it and bring it back in, but it's, it's too late? You know, us type of personalities, we struggle with that. I struggle with that. I don't, I, we speak, talk so much, sometimes we don't think, and things come out. And that, that's what he's talking about here. So, so I know I struggle with that. I have to make sure that I just don't say the wrong thing, especially when you're tired. Don't you realize when you're tired, things come out that you really don't want to say them? And I, I, I'm going to encourage you something. I've made it a habit myself, and I memorized Ephesians 4.29. It's an incredible verse. I encourage you to memorize that verse itself. It said, let, let no unwholesome word proceed out of your mouth, but only such a word that is good for edification, according to the, so that it may give grace according to the need of the moment, so that it may give grace to all those who hear. So if, no, if a word is going to come out of your mouth, make sure it's for buildup edify somebody and make sure that is a word that is needed at that moment you know we tend to talk many times because we like talking and sometimes you just don't need to talk but do it with grace that's that verse i I love that verse i keep it fresh because i know i've got to i've got to watch myself now i want to address husbands and maybe future husbands that are in here ladies you're free on this application Uh, guys you know there's sometimes that your wife will start talking to you about a problem that she has. And, and you got to think about something. This is not the time your wife does not want you to solve the problem. Your wife does not want you to fix the problem. Your wife just wants you to listen to the problem. That's it. Nothing else. And I guarantee you, when you learn to live those seasons of not speaking you will be able to live 40 years of marriage. It'll give you longer seasons and more jo- of more joy in your marriage. But there's other times when you have to say something to your wife because it's very useful, very helpful for her, and she needs to hear it because it will help her to challenge us when to differentiate between those seasons it takes a lifetime. So I can't tell you when is when. It just takes a long time to figure out when my wife is ready for me to talk or when she's not ready for me to talk. But you have to know there's seasons for both of them. You get better. You get better at time. And the safest of the two is listen. That's the safest. You can't go wrong when you listen. You, know, you can go wrong when you talk. You just listen and listen. That's hard for us. So that's what you need to do. And then now Solomon fishes, finishes with these seasons. He says there's a season of loving and hating. We come to the end of the season. He gives us one of the more popular words that we always remember, a time to love and a time to hate. They're very popular. We get the, we get the, love, the love part here. God tells us to love your neighbor as you love yourself, and God is love. That's pretty easy to understand. It's the hate part in here where Solomon says there's a time to hate. Hate is a hard word, but the Scripture says that Jesus hated. Jesus hated, we should be considered some things that he hated. He tells us that Jesus hated six things. Let me give them to you. Proverbs 6, 16, 19. There's six things that the Lord hates. Six things. Seven that are an abomination to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run to evil, a fault witness who breathes out of lies, and one who sows discord among children. Listen, now that you know the things that Jesus hates, maybe you should mold your life on making sure that you don't commit those sins themselves, that you hate those sins also. 
You don't work on this by seeing them in other people's lives. You work on them by discovering them in your own lives. When you find them in your own lives, you want to crush them. You want to just crucify them in your own life first. In fact, you need to tell yourself what Psalm 139, 23, 24 says. It's a great verse. He says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there's any grievous way in me and lead me into the way everlasting. That's a great verse for you to say to yourself in the morning or any time when you see something wrong. Ask yourself, it says, listen, there's nothing, there's, listen to this, there's nothing wrong with hating the bad things that others do. First, make sure they're not the same bad things that you do. It's very important. Make sure you're not doing the same things you do yourself. You hate them in others. You've got to ask the Lord to reveal it to you and and then, then at the end, he, Solomon surprises us with another positive ending in here and, and where he says a time of war and a time of peace. I see this in a positive way, this section, because I think the peace that he's talking about in here is, uh, is the peace in the world. But he's not saying that there will be peace in the world. Uh, because history tells us different. History tells us that from 1776, 222 of the 229 years, there's been a war in this country. He's been at war. The positive side that he's saying here is that they will be peace. And, but the peace will only happen when the Prince of Peace returns. That's the only time there's going to be peace in this world. There's going to be a, ne a, peace, a peace that we have never experienced, a peace that will last forever and forever. And this is the good news. A season of eternal peace is coming. That's how we should live our expectations. Don't live your expectations that tomorrow the wars in the world will end. No, no. Live with the peace that God gives you where you are, knowing that someday, someday, there will be everlasting peace. That's the only way there's peace. Because when you know the time you live in, you know how to live the life that you have been giving. So now Solomon says, now you know the seasons, and there's not much you can do about how you choose the seasons, but he tells you, this, listen, there's something that you can do that you can control how you respond to the seasons. So he says, respond to the seasons in your life. And he goes on to give us three. Three responses that you should have when you find yourself in the different seasons of life. The first thing that he tells you is, listen, you need to live your life doing God's business. Verse number nine, what gain has the worker from his toll? I have seen the busyness that God has given to the children of men to be busy with. In verse nine, Solomon is asking the same question. He says, what gain has the worker from his toll? Maybe the same question that you and I are thinking sometimes. Say, Listen, if God controls everything and I can't do anything about it, why don't I just sit back and let life happen? Well, that's not what Solomon is saying here. Solomon is telling you, listen, no, no, that's not, that's not the way it works. He says, you've got work to do. I've given you some work, though. He says, stay busy doing God's business. He says, God has given the children of men to be busy with. What are, are we to be busy? We are to be busy by praising the Lord. We are to be busy by loving our nature. We are to be busy by sharing the gospel. We are to be busy by helping the ones that are hurting. We are to be busy fulfilling the Great Commission. We are to be busy praying. We are to be busy and praying and waiting for the Lord to return. And everything that we do, we should do it for the glory of God. That's what 1 Corinthians 10.31 says. So whether you eat or you drink, or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. So don't sit back and wait life to pass. Be part of 
of the work that God has called you to do. Martin Luther said, the entire world should be full of service to God, not only the churches, but also the home, the kitchen, the cellar, the workshop, and the field. Everything, everything should be busy with the service and doing the work of God. And so the, how does Solomon answer the question, what gain has the worker from his toil? Well, he says this, in all the work that we do is the work of the Lord brings joy in our life. The work of the Lord gives us purpose in our life. In fact, he says in 1 Corinthians 15, 58, one of my favorite verses, therefore, my beloved brother, be steadfast and immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that the Lord, work of the Lord is never not in vain, is never in vain. That's what he says. So your first response to the seasons of life, listen, stay busy doing God's business. And then he says, the second thing he says, live your life knowing God is all you need. Live your life during those seasons knowing that God is all you need. He gives us a, a foreshadow of the eternal purpose of God in our lives. He, he says in this verse, he has put eternity into man's heart yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. God has put eternity in our hearts. He has put a tasting and a longing for something that the world cannot give us. That, that no matter how good the pleasures are in this world, they will never satisfy that void that God has put in your heart. He's the only one that can satisfy that void, no matter how good the world is. He is the only one can satisfy. Look what C.S. Lewis said. A great, great quote. Our Heavenly Father has provided many delightful ends for us along our journey, but He takes great care to see that we do not mistake any of them for home. He said, listen, enjoy, enjoy life. Have a good time, pleasure. But don't think that this is as good as it gets. It's going to get way better. But enjoy life. And, and God makes everything happen. And sometimes we don't know why things happen, uh, but he does it happen when he wants them to happen, when he allows them to happen. We don't always understand why, and, and many times we struggle asking why they happen. Usually they, we only struggle when things go bad. We don't question good things. We question bad things. We say, you know, why, why did he leave me? Why did my life, dad treat me that way? Why did he have to die now? Why did I get sick now? We question these things, and, and we, can't, we don't have answers for those things. Here's why. Because our problem is that we can only see the today and not the forever. Because we're limited by time, but we're wired for eternity. That's a conflict. You know, we're limited by time. We have a desire to know the future, but we're limited by, by what, what the Word of God. We're wired for eternity itself. You know, J.I. Packer has a, a great story in his book, Knowing God, great book if you ever love reading J.I. Packer. And in this book, he explains this verse. He says, listen, if you were at the York Station in England, one of the largest railroad stations in England, if you were at the ground floor, you would see hundreds of trains moving in all directions. Some trains moving forward, some moving in reverse, some stopping, some turning. If you look at all these trains, it only looks like a big mess and a good mess of trains with not knowing what's going on. You would think, who in the world is running the show here? because this is a mess, this train. But if he says, if you have the privilege of going into the control room, you walk into this room and you're going to see a big wall. And in that wall, it has laid out all the tracks for the trains five miles out. And every train, there's a green light. And you see the little green lights moving. And then all of a sudden, you see and understand why that train stopped 
to let the other one cross, or why this tame came in reverse so the other one would pass, because that's the control center. The man that runs the control center sees the big picture, and that's why things run in an orderly manner. So what's the, the moral of this story? It says that here's what it is. God doesn't invite you and me into the control center. We just don't have that privilege. Why? I don't know. Maybe because we couldn't handle to know what's going to happen in that amount of information. But, but we knowing this, that he's in the control center, we must believe what verse number 11 says, that he, he has made everything beautiful in his time. We've we got to believe that. And we have to live at peace with the fact that we will not only begin to comprehend his total plan only when we enter into eternity. Uh, look what Romans eleven thirty three. We have to trust the wisdom of God. It says, all the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable are his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? Who or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? From from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. So here's what God's telling you in this section and Solomon's telling you. God would say, listen, even though you cannot know it all, you can trust me to control it all. And that's what he's asking you, man. I, I, I don't expect you to know it all, but I do want you to desire to trust me that I can control it all. That's the only thing that's going to get you through some seasons in life, knowing that God is controlling everything for your benefit. So it says, live your life doing God's business. Live your life knowing God is all good. And this is the last thing Solomon tells him in there. Live your life to the fullest. Enjoy life. Enjoy everything that comes your way. And he goes on to tell you, I'm going to tell you three ways he says that you can enjoy life. The first way is be joyful and do good. That's what verse number 12 says. Be joyful and do good. I perceive that there's nothing better for them than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. God wants you to be joyful. He already commanded you that. But he wants you to do good for as long as you live. There's no greater joy that comes from helping those that are in need. He wants you to live your seasons in life always bringing help to those that are in need. Because as you help them, you will help yourself be more joyful. Serve those around you. You've read Ephesians 2.10, where he says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, for what? For good works, which God prepared beforehand, what? That we should walk in them. So he says, be joyful and do good. And then he says, find pleasure in God's gift. Find pleasure in God's gift. 13, also that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure for all his toil. This is God's gift to man. So you can... Think, can live life thinking, kesara, sera, whatever will be, will be, and just sit back and look at life like hopelessness. Or you can look at life as a gift from God, and you do what you do when you receive the gift. You enjoy the gift. That's, that's what he's asking you. And, and we saw earlier that he talked about seasons of happiness and, and seasons of sadness. And, and you might find yourself right now in one of those sad seasons. And if not, 
just wait a little bit. Another sad season will come around or knock at your door sooner or later. But when this happens, listen, God promised you to be with you. He promised you to strengthen you. He promises you to be his strong tower. He promises to be your very present help in times of trouble. So know that you're not going through this season by yourself. He will be right by your side to walk with you, to guide and move with you. But listen, these verses in here, it says love, live life, enjoy life to the fullest. It is saying that don't make the mistake that the sad season mean that you postpone having joy in your life. When hardship comes, that doesn't mean that you stop enjoying the gifts that God is bringing in your life. Don't, don't, don't think this way. I, I can't enjoy life until things get better. I can't enjoy life until I pay my debt. I can't enjoy life until I get a job, until these relationships get better. I can't, I can't enjoy life. No, 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 no. Listen, don't focus all your attention on getting better. Focus your attention on living life better. That's what you need to focus on in there. Don't miss, don't miss the blessings that come your way. See the gifts that God brings your way. Let me give you a great example that I can see how you can see the the gifts that God brings you obey in the sad times. Uh, when my wife and I were married for about 13 years, my father divorced my mother. Wow, I was so upset with my dad. I was so upset when my dad was not a believer then. I was so upset with my dad that I did not speak to my dad for 13 years. I didn't talk to him. I didn't let him in my house. I wanted nothing to do with my dad for 13 years. And then all of a sudden, the Lord appeared in my life. I surrendered my life to Christ and received him as my Lord and Savior. And within days, I sought out my dad. I asked him to forgive me for what I had done to him, how I banished him from my life. And my lost dad did not hesitate a second to forgive me. What an example. He forgave me, but I didn't forgive him. And, so, and it's amazing a joyful day that he forgave me. And then right after that, weeks in, within weeks, my father was diagnosed with terminal cancer. Very little life, very little time to live. So I started asking the why questions. <laughs> why? I just became a follower of Christ, and now this? Why this? Why are you, things are good right now with me and my dad. Why, why, why? I didn't get answers for that, so I started asking the what questions. God, what do, you, what do you want me to do? What should I do? And the Lord just put wisdom in my heart. And I said, listen, I'm just going to enjoy my dad for as long as I can have my dad. And I started spending so much time with him. You know, and the Lord blessed me. He gave him two more years to us. And in those two years, I got to know my dad better than I knew him the first 30 years. We've got to spend so much time together. We became better friends. We did things together. I used to take him to the farmer's market to buy fish heads so he can drink fish soup. Isn't that gross? Fish soup head. That was gross. But I went with him, and I enjoyed spending time with him. We visited my house. We spent some Christmas together. What a joyful moment. Here it is. Here's, a, here's how this thing ends. The day before he dies, that night, at the hospital, I come to give him a kiss. And he tells me, I love you, Richie. That's what he called me. He says, I love you. He had never told me his whole life that he loved me until that day. And the next day, he passed away. Wow, incredible. 
But here's, here's something even more powerful than that. During those two years, the Lord allowed me to lead him to the Lord. He became a follower of Jesus Christ. And you know what? Now I realize I have to have a ton of time that I'm going to spend with him in eternity. So listen, what's this? Don't miss the blessings that come from the seasons. Learn the lessons that come from the season. Live your life to the fullest. That's what, that's what Solomon is telling you in, this, in these verses itself. There's a lesson in every season. There's a blessing in every season. Make the most of every season. Finally, Solomon is locking this thing up. He says, listen, here's the last thing you need to do. You need to stand in awe before your God. That's what verse 14 says. I perceive that whatever God does endures forever. Nothing can be added. Nothing can be taken away from it. God has done it so that people fear before him. He wraps up this season telling us that God's in control, that he plans everything, that his plans are permanent, that his plans are perfect, that his plans are beautiful. And knowing this, Solomon says, this should cause you to fear when you know this. The fear that he's talking about here is, is not the fear of a, of a cringing of a slave before, before a, a cruel taskmaster. No, it, it is an a, a, a obedient son before a loving father. That's the kind of fear he says. And when, when we recognize who he is, we respond accordingly. We, we worship him. We stand in awe of him. We trust him. We love him. And we obey him. That's what fear of the Lord is. Is. That's what Proverbs 9.10 says. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is inside. Because when you fear God, there's nothing else to fear. It's just, there's nothing else to fear when you fear God. So when you know the time that you live, you will know how to live the life that you've been given. Why don't you stand with me so you know that we're wrapping this baby up here today. And I, I want to I to give you two more verses. First, I want to tell you, if, you're, if you are not a follower of Jesus Christ today here, you have not received them as your Lord and Savior. When you ask your question, what time is it for you? Let me give you a verse that answers this. 2 Corinthians 6.2. That's the answer to that question. He says, for he says, I in a favorable time I listened to you. In a day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, the answer to what time is it for you, the answer, it is time for you to get right with God. That's the time that it is for you today. There's no other time that's more important than that. But if you're a follower of Jesus Christ today, I got a verse for you too. I'll wrap this up. Ephesians 5, 15, 17. Look what it says. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Making the best use of your time that God has given you in life requires wisdom. Know when to speak, not when to speak. Know when to embrace, when not to embrace. When to cast stones, when not to cast stones. When to build up, when to tear down. Understand the seasons in your life. Don't fight the seasons in your life. Understand that God controls all these seasons in your life. So live your life in fear of God. Live your life doing God's business. Live your life enjoying the gifts that God gives you each and every day. Learned 
to be like the men of Issachar. Look at what 1 Corinthians 12.32 says. Of Issachar, men who had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. 200 chiefs and all the kinsmen live understanding the times so that you would know how to live the times. And now as I think one of your leaders is coming to close us, uh, thank you so much for allowing me to bring you God's word today.